1: As we start this brand new series called XO, it obviously means like hugs and kisses type of thing, that we're going to talk about dating, marriage, and family, dating, marriage, and family. And today, we're going to talk about dating. Now, so for all of you singles, for all of you high schoolers, for junior hires, listen up. For all of you who have children, listen up. For all of you who have grandchildren, listen up. If you have nieces and nephews and loved ones and friends that are, that are single, listen up. Because what I'm going to share to you today with you today is absolutely life changing. It's it's so important. It is so important. How many know that it's pretty important that we marry the right one? It's pretty important stuff, and we got to talk about that. Matthew 22:37 says this. It's in your sermon notes. It says, "Jesus replied." Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And what we're going to start out with today is, is, is just kind of going first things first. And there's a couple of points I want to make that really, that are a little bit separate. Just some things that I want to say, uh, to, especially to those who are single today. And really all of it is, but especially to those who are single today. I, I want to encourage you with some things. First of all, love the Lord your God first. And foremost, before you, before you show affection towards anybody else, love the Lord your God first and foremost. Number one, write this down. To all of the singles, in fact, <laughs> it's all you married people in the room, too. This is pretty good for you, too, actually. Don't search for Mr. and Mrs. Wright, especially if you're married. That's pretty good stuff, especially if you're single, too. Don't search for Mr. or Mrs. Wright. Become Mr. and Mrs. Wright. Don't search for them. Become them. Don't search for Mr. Right. You become who God wants you to be. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love the Lord. And if you're married and thinking about somebody else, stop it. Because you are obviously not, let me say this way. If, If you are married and you're thinking about somebody else, something is wrong between you and God. Something is wrong between you and God, and you got to stop it, and don't believe the lie. Uh, We've heard it said this lots of times that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, but I've also heard it uh, grass is greener over the septic field, (laughs) right? Grass is greener over the sewer. Come on, everybody. If you're married, you're already married to the perfect person that you could ever be married to, and you need to stay married to that person. Now again, if you say, yeah, but my, my spouse has really wounded me, abused me, hurt me, they've cheated on me, and we're going through struggles. That's why we have a counselor here at, at staff to help you out. But don't get it in your head. Don't start if you're married, don't you dare start looking for somebody else. Don't do it. It's just not wise. It's not, in fact, it's not godly. It's just ungodly. Let let her be write this down. And this is good stuff. You always attract what you project. So again, for all the singles out there, this is just a side note before we go too far in there that you always attract what you project. If somebody says, Well, I just always oh, it's always the bad guys that are after me. I just always land a bad guy, I always land land the tough guys, I always land the, you know what? You're you're landing those guys because that's what you're projecting. You're attracting those guys because that's what you're projecting. A a, a bad guy doesn't doesn't necessarily pursue a godly young woman. How many know what I'm talking about? Who's going to ruin his fun. He's not going to go, he doesn't want to lose his fun. He's not going to pursue you. you. You attract what you project. And if you want a God-fearing man, husband, or a God-fearing wife, you need to be God-fearing. If you want, if you want to attract somebody who's absolutely enthralled with God, then become somebody who's absolutely enthralled with God because you attract what you project. It's just the truth. I'm so glad that I waited for my wife. And I'm so glad that I found such a godly woman in my wife. Now, I had to say no to a few before she came along. Just being honest with you. Let me read Romans 12 too. And you guys know this, many of you have this memorized, but it says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, especially if you're single, if you're in high school, junior high, if, if, if you, even if, if you're married. Can I tell you something? That we have to change the way that we think. We have to change the way that we think. And if you've been trained by the world on how to date, can I tell you, you need to change the way you think. If you've been changed by the customs in your family, you need to change the way you think. Because there are ungodly ways of doing things, and then there are godly ways of doing things. And today, I'm going to teach you how to think About These things. I'm going to teach you godly ways to find a godly spouse, godly ways to find a godly spouse. And if if you are parents and and um, grandparents and you have influence over other people who are single, listen up, because what I'm going to share with you is what you should be sharing with your children and your grandchildren, your nephews and your nieces than anybody else who will listen to you. And these are the things that I'm teaching my own children. I'm, I'm teaching them godly principles concerning what we call in our house courtship. We view that differently than dating. You can call me old-fashioned. I don't care. Because my, my well, I, I, that will be a rabbit trail. I, I don't want to go down. I, I, don't, I don't care what you call me in this. I'm just telling you I'm teaching my children godly principles and how to find a godly spouse. And then, and then one of these days I'm going to be, rejoicing in the spouse that they find and their in-laws will be rejoicing in, in the spouse that their, chi- their, their child f- found, if that makes any sense. Like, I want to make sure, how, how cool would it be if if, if if all of the in-laws of my children absolutely love their son or daughter-in-law because they're mighty man or woman of God. You know what I'm talking about? So, so here we go. Uh, passion needs parameters. That's what we're talking about today because... Because it's true that your passion, it needs parameters. There are these God-given desires that we have in life, but these God-given desires need parameters. Like, I, I, I tell my children, I tell, I've told teenagers when I was a youth pastor, like, okay, can, can we just be honest? Can we just be honest with those in the room today? That, that, um,
2: that when you're growing up and even when you're older, you want to have sex. How many know that that's true? All of you with kids, you're all liars. That's what I, I mean. <laughs> children are proof that you just lied right
1: there. Come on, everybody. When 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 you grow up, um, girls have this thing that they that they um, um, that they want to live out their, their fantasy. That they have a fantasy and they want it to come true. Um, boys boys live to fulfill their curiosity. Girls live to fulfill their fantasy. Boys want to fulfill their curiosity. They just want to know, what's it like to hold hands? Well, what's it like to kiss? Well, what's it like to hug? What's it like to go further? That, and, and in fact, girls don't really think those type of thoughts. Some do, but most think, what's it like to fulfill my, my fantasy, not my curiosities? So they want the knight in shining armor. They want somebody to protect them and to love them and, and to, to show them how beautiful they are and to affirm them. In life, and so, so, um, so we have this unique, unique, um, mindset that every young man, every young lady go through. And I want to tell you something it really, until you experience those things, it doesn't really change. I mean, you still want to know. Is this being too honest with you guys? Is it being okay? So, so your passion, everybody has that desire, and, and you, you know, for every guy in this room. And every girl in this room that you, you have the propensity towards lust, and in fact, every, I, I would suggest to you that 100% of the males in this room do, and a, a majority of the females do too. You, you just do it in a little different way. You think it in a little different way. That, that those, those, are, those are desires that God placed in us. And most men say, God, why did you give me such a strong desire for this? Like, why do you give me such a strong desire for this? I'm just being honest with you, ladies, guys think that. We don't know why we're like that. And you have to know we've gone to God and say, God, why are we like that? Why are we so visual in nature? We, we, we don't know. But, but in that, no matter how we're designed by God, that there are parameters that we need concerning our passions. That there are parameters that we need. And and guys, just or, or ladies can I tell you something just because just because
2: guys fight that the visual nature of lust it doesn't mean that we're ungodly. Boy. Doesn't mean we're ungodly. Just because we're turning our eyes and
1: and shutting off commercials and being men of integrity and you say, "Well, why boy, why are you why can I tell you we're we're striving to be like Christ?" and support us in it. When we turn our head, and you notice we're turning our head, put your arm around us and say, well done. Don't, don't look at the girl who we're, who we're turning away from and start comparing yourself to her. That's not wise.
2: Don't do that. Just put your arm around us and say, well done. Good job. Boy, that'll preach right there. That'll
1: preach right there. Passion needs parameters. Passion needs parameters. Number one, everybody in the room, especially singles, but everybody in the room,
2: embrace purity. You have to em- embrace purity. Ephesians, I'm, I'm
1: going to prove this to you in Scripture. Ephesians 5.3 says, But among you there must not even be a hint, underline that, not even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for what? For God's holy people, for people who have been called out of darkness into the kingdom of light, for those who are enjoying the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that even a hint of sexual immorality is improper for God's holy people. Hebrews 13.4 says, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. Kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. Can I tell you that there 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 are married couples that allow things in the bedroom that should never be allowed in the bedroom because they are impure and something inside of you says, oh, oh. And that's, let me say it like this, could that be the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, that's impure. Don't don't allow that. We keep the marriage bed pure. And what that means is everybody's sexual immorality is anything any anything of a sexual nature that happens outside of the marriage bed, outside of husband and wife. So so um I'm not, I think that's a series for another time, and, and I know we've certainly talked about that in the past. I'm sure you can go back and pod, podcast and find where we've talked about sexual immorality. But, but let me tell you this. If you, have, if you hear a voice on the inside saying no, then the answer is no. It's more than likely, as a child of God, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, saying, no, 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 this is not what I have for you. This is not purity. This is not holiness. You need to listen to that, and you need to obey that voice of the Spirit. Psalm 119 says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? And then he answers it, the psalmist does, by living according God to your word. I'm going to live according to your word. And if you live according. According to the word of God, you will stay on the path of purity. So here's, here's how it comes about. In, in fact, I've heard this so many times as a pastor and as a youth, youth pastor. I'm going to give you an example. A couple of uh, people are dating. You have a, you know, a boy and a girl, and whether they're teenagers or college and career or even older than that. The, the, the question that pastors get asked a lot is this How far is too far? How far is too far? Parents, pay attention to this. How far is too far? And that is the wrong question to ask because in asking that question, how far is too far, what you're really asking is, how much can I get away with? How much can I get away with? You you, you don't need to ask how far is too far. It's It's the wrong question. You need to ask questions like, Father, Heavenly Father, what's beautiful in your eyes? What's appropriate in your eyes? How much affection can I show this person without sinning? Lord, I want to honor you. I want to stay pure before you and in front of this other person that I have affections for. So the question isn't how far is too far. As much as, Heavenly Father, what's beautiful in your eyes? What's beautiful in your eyes? Have you ever thought that thought? Father, what's beautiful in your eyes? And he'll tell you. If you listen to them. In fact, I'm going to tell you about embracing purity. That, that if, you don't, if you don't embrace purity during the courtship phase, it'll be very difficult, even more difficult for you to embrace purity in the marriage phase. So, so don't, don't set, let me say it like this, don't set a pattern of compromise when you're dating someone. Don't set, a matter of, uh, don't, don't set a pattern of compromise because if you compromise when you're dating, there will be compromises when you're married too. And it'll just lead to some ungodly things that you don't want to deal with. It'll, it'll lead to future guilt and future shame and things that you'll be embarrassed about. Just set a pattern of purity. Set a pattern of purity. If you're single... If you're, if you're dating somebody, if you're starting to date somebody, set a pattern of purity. So, so I know a lot of people in this room are saying, well, what is that? What, well, what is that? Well, tell, tell us what that is. Like, and, and there you go back to, well, how far is too far? See how, You see how it slips in there? Well, well tell, us what, tell us what's appropriate then. No, let the Holy Spirit tell you what's appropriate let why don't why don't you ask that question father what's beautiful in your eyes and you'll know when it's not beautiful you'll know when it's not appropriate you'll know when it's not pure
2: and i want to encourage you again that any sex outside of the marriage bed between husband and wife it's not pure it's not holy in fact it's sinful. Sinful. So we have to embrace purity. The second thing is we have to use wisdom.
1: We have to use wisdom. And by the way, if you're, if you're struggling, can I, I'm going to throw something in here. If you have questions about premarital sex, and you say, well, where's that in the Bible? Uh, there, look up the word fornication. and It's everywhere. And if you say, well, I'm still struggling with it, well, come and see us, and we'll talk to you about it. Like, we're not going to judge you. We're not going to hit you over the, over the head. We're just going to explain the Scripture to you. And, and then, then it's up to you to answer for that. How many know what I'm saying is true? You, you got if you, you know, if you don't know the Scripture, you need to find out what the Bible says. And, and I'm going I'm to come back to this at the end, so, so stay with me just for a few minutes here. Number two, use wisdom. you got to use wisdom. you got to embrace purity and use wisdom. Wisdom, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, and 5 says this, through 5, says, God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans, watch this, who do not know God and his ways. So there, there you say, well, okay. Well, what is pure? What, what is okay? Well, this, this scripture is saying, well, now if you're going to embrace purity, you also have to use wisdom, but not your wisdom. And by the way, everybody, not my wisdom. It has to be God's wisdom. He, he said, hey, listen, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Like the obvious reason that they're given to those things because they're not wise. They don't know the things of God. They don't know what the Bible says. And so if you don't know what purity is, you need to study the Bible more because it's in there. Over and over and over again, it's in there. In fact, the Bible is not shy when it comes to sex. I'm going to say it again. The Bible is not shy when it comes to sex. It talks about it repeatedly from the Old Testament to the very end of the New Testament. All through it, so you have to use wisdom. Well, how do you how do you use wisdom? Well, first of all, you have to know it. Wisdom is knowledge and action, right? Wisdom is knowledge and action. So, if you know if you know the word of God, then you just put it into action, and when you do that, you are wise. That's wise. That's wisdom. When you put knowledge into action. Well, if you don't know the word of God, if you don't know the character of God, well, then how can you be wise? And I would suggest to you. It's impossible because wisdom is found in God. There, let me say it this way there is no wisdom outside of God. He is wisdom for us and to us. You guys could have amen way louder than you did right then. That's why it says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? He says, By living according to your word. You could also say it this way by living wisely by putting the knowledge of your word into action. Okay? Well, but 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 so as we embrace wisdom, as we embrace wisdom, no doubt you're going to hear you're going to hear some things, no, don't don't do that, don't go there, don't you know, don't give into that, don't watch that, don't listen to that. And and the Holy Spirit is speaking to us as believers all the time. But a lot of times, we just ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit. And this is what it says in Proverbs 22.3. In fact, I share this verse all the time. I shared it with somebody just this past week. I, I put this in, in a, a, a unique version this week uh, that says, when you see trouble coming, don't be stupid and walk right into it. I love how that reads. Maybe I, am, am I the only one that needs the Bible just to tell it to me point blank? Like, I just, just tell it to me. He says, he says, hey, listen, when you see trouble coming, don't be stupid and walk right into it. Be smart and hide. I think it's the, the, the NIV version says, when, when a prudent man sees danger, he takes refuge, but a fool or the simple-minded keeps going and suffers for it. So a lot of times, you know this to be true. Some of you, in fact, probably all, of the dumbest mistakes you've ever made in your life. And whether sinful or not sinful, you heard a voice that said, no, you probably shouldn't. And you did anyway, right? I mean, you heard a voice. My, my brother, one time, we were riding bikes, and uh, we were at we were in this little bitty town in north central uh, Oklahoma, and, we're, we're by the co-op, the big grain elevators, which really kept this town running, that and, and an oil factory, refinery. And um, my brother, he decided to ramp this, like, irrigation ditch.
2: And he goes up to it, and he's like, I can make that. And you know when you're telling yourself that you can make that, that's
1: probably something inside saying, no, you might not. And I remember him making this jump, and I hear this cry that I've never heard before, and he comes out of that ditch, and his, his arm is snapped, and it's hanging there. How many know that he should have listened to the, the no, and we rode all the way home on our bikes, and he's holding his arm up as he's riding his bike, and I I, still, I remember that like it's yesterday. My mom's in the room. She can contest. He, he snapped his, but he knew better. He heard the voice. See, see everybody, the stupid walk right into it. <laughs> I got to quote that to him today. I saw, his, I saw his car out there. I haven't seen him yet, but I saw his car outside. So uh, yeah, I'm going to quote that to him right there. Number three, number three. So we embrace purity, we use wisdom, and now number three, we wait for the right one. Wait for the right one. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, and 15. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? I'm going to explain that to you in a second. Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Let, Let me go back and teach you just a couple things about this portion of Scripture very quickly. That it says, it says, what harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Now, a lot of other versions will just say Satan or the devil right there because that word is another name for Satan or the devil. But in the New International Version, they chose to leave it as the Greek word Belial. And there's a reason for that because the word Leveal literally means Lord of the forest. Lord of the forest. And it reminds me, of, of um, some of you will appreciate this, you know, around
2: um, um, the fall when I'm sitting in a, in a tree, I can't, I'm watching my words because there might be some anti hunters in the room, I don't know. And if you're in the middle
1: of the forest and, and it starts getting dark outside, and you realize you can't see very well, and so you get down out of your tree stand and you start walking back to truck. Well, sometimes when you go out into the field, you look around and you're like, wow, oh, it's still really bright out. How many know what I'm talking about? Hunters would know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you just get out in the field and you're like, well, it's not dark out at all. It's pretty, it's pretty bright out actually. Well, it's dark in the forest though. In the middle of the forest, it's very dark. In fact, Dan and I were talking this I told you I would use this. Dan and I were talking, he's talking about being in this in this area of Washington, Pacific Northwest. And saying that in the middle of the forest when it gets dark, you you can't you can't see your hand in front of your face. Like it is dark, dark. What harmony has there what harmony is there between Christ and the Lord of the Forest? Between light and darkness. You know, there have been times, and, and and all hunters have faced this at some point. In fact, even my kids will tell you stories like this. Probably you've gone through it too, where I've been out in the woods and, and and sometimes have deer around me, so I have to stay until well after dark before I get down, because I don't want to tell them, I don't want to educate them as to where I am. And so I wait till all the deer leave, and then I come out of the woods and it's very dark. And sometimes it gets eerie. Sometimes there's this feeling like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. How many know what I'm talking about? It, it's, something to, it's something about the, the woods and, and being in the dark. And you know what I do, by the way, when I, when I do those things? I walk slower. I do. I, I don't speed out of there. I used to, like, oh, I'm going to start walking fast now. You know? I don't do that anymore. I walk slower. Because like, I I'm, I'm just want to take my place of authority over the enemy. Even in the small things, the devil's not going to push me around. I'm not going to be driven by fear, and I just walk slower and I enjoy the night. Is isn't it? And I'll tell you, you might think that that's weird, but that's just part of that's just part of me growing in the Lord Jesus Christ, saying I don't have to be afraid of anything or anyone. I'm fully confident, not not in my own confidence. I just fully know that the Lord has my back wherever I go, and I am supernaturally protected by my Father in heaven. Amen. And so, uh, so I just walk out slowly. But when you're in that, the, the Lord of the darkness, it, it, there is something that, that the Bible is referring to, and he's saying, you know that, that, that's not right. But we don't serve Belial. We're not a part of he, his family. We're not his children. We are children of the Most High God. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are children of light. What, what, what commonality is there between Christ and Satan between Christ and the Lord of the forest. In fact, he goes on to ask this and what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? I, I want to hit on this just for just for a moment because um, we, we have known people here in this in this very church that has um, started seeing somebody that was not a Christian, not a believer. And they come back to us, and multiple people in the church tell them, no, 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 don't do this. Please don't do this. It's not right. And one of the phrases that we hear from them over and over and over again is, oh, but we have so much in common. And I think
2: to myself, you shouldn't. You shouldn't, because they don't belong to the light. You
1: shouldn't have... That much in common with them. Yeah, I mean, you might, you might want to like the same foods, but come on, everybody, let's raise our hand. How many likes a big, juicy steak? Come on, raise your hand. Whoa, whoa, look, we have a lot in common, don't we? You see what I'm saying? Like some things, you're like, but well, we have so much in common. Well, you probably have that in common with your next door neighbor, but you're not gonna date him or her, you know? Like, but how much do you really have in common? Well, if you are part of the light and they are not, if you're part of the kingdom of God and they are not, you don't have much in common. And in fact, I can name you five people right now. In fact, and I'm be honest with you, they're all ladies, every one of them, that have come, that were part of our church. They, they're not here right now. They're, in fact, most of them have moved off. But they, they were here. They were single. They started dating somebody. Everybody that knew them said, no, 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 no. And they all said, yes, 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 this is the right. We have so much in common. We're going to get married. And all of them ended in divorce, total failures. In fact, many of them lost all of their their money, their inheritance, their savings. The guy took it all because they thought that they had something in common, but they didn't. They didn't. And wisdom, by the way, can can I add to this? God will speak to you, but God uses others too. And if you have 10 people who love Jesus and love you, and they all say no, you best back out. Because they see something that you don't see. There is a blind spot in your life that you don't see. And they're trying to help you. And if 10 people are saying no, then the answer should be no. In fact, when I started dating Jennifer, I I wasn't well, I should say courting Jennifer, I wasn't, going to, I, I wasn't going to propose to her until my mom and dad said yes. So we, we met up, and, and, and I introduced them to Jennifer, and we kind of spent several days together, and I, at the end of it, I said, what do you guys think? They said, yeah, she's the one. Like, I know, isn't that awesome? You know? And I proposed to her very shortly thereafter. I also went to, to pastors and friends that had, hey, what do you think? Is she the one? Do you see anything that I don't see? And they all said, they all said Justin, she's the one. Boy, I praise God that she was the one. I praise God that she was the one. Listen, there's wisdom. You're going to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, but you also need to seek counsel from others. And, and they'll point out, if they really love you, they'll point out blind spots that you don't see. And if they really love you, you need to listen to them. That's good stuff. You need to wait for the right one. Can I give a big amen on that one right there, huh? Yeah. In fact, when, when you're... Um, when, when you're waiting for the right one, I can, I can, help, you, I can help you determine if, if it's the right one or not the right one. Part of it is, first of all, primarily, are they absolutely in love with Jesus? You know what I do with, with young ladies that are looking for a husband and they're starting to date? And Pastor Justin, what do you think? And I actually get those conversations a lot and I love those conversations. In fact, what I always do is I invite Jennifer into that conversation and Jennifer and I, because my wife can say some things that I can't say. And so, and, and, and you know, lady to lady, sometimes there's just more of a trust there. So my wife and I just meet with them together and we just, we just tell them, you know. And, and a lot of times I'll just say, hey, listen, it's just put, put that dude on the shelf real quick. What do you want out of a husband? Oh, I don't, and it's amazing to me how few people know what they actually want out of a spouse. And, and so I'll start hinting about things. Well, well do you want him to be a Christian? Well, obviously. Well, how much of a Christian? And now you know as well as I do that that's not, I mean, you're either a Christian or you're not. Okay. But, but, how, but, but in their terminology, well, how, how much of a Christian? Well, I want him to love Jesus. Okay. So do you want him to be passionately devoted to Christ? Do you want him to choose Christ over everything all the time? Yes. Yes I do. Do you want him to to know how to 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 be very giving, to be generous, to be loving, to take care of you, to provide for you, to protect you. Yeah, I want all those things. Do you want him to be a good dad? Yeah, I want him to be. Do you you want him to be involved in ministry? Yes, I do. Do Do you want him to be, you know, and I'll just start listing all of these things. Do you want this? Is this your ideal husband? They'll say, yes. I'll say, okay, let's take that guy off the shelf and compare him with who you just described. Does he meet that standard? No. Okay, he's not the one. He's not the one. But, but, you know, I see some, I, I'm not saying you don't see things in him. I'm not saying he's not a Christian. I'm just saying the right one is worth the wait. He's worth the wait. And don't rush it. Don't rush it. Go in there. I, I'm just telling you, um, I'm so glad that I waited for a woman who was madly in love with Jesus before she was madly in
2: love with me. Some of you don't know what that's like. I'm sorry. I really am. I'm brokenhearted for you. In fact, I want to pray for you real quick. Heavenly Father, there's some people right here in this room right now that when they look at their their life, their love life as we would call it, their married life, They have regrets, and they've been hurt, and they've been wounded. Heal them, I pray, Lord. Heal them now. Find up the brokenhearted. Give them peace in their heart and joy they've never known before. Or there are some ladies in this room that have been abused. Jesus, we know you are the perfect bridegroom. You know how to love them like nobody else can. And embrace them today, I pray. And let them know that they are dearly and deeply loved. By you and by us. Heal every area of their life, what the devil has stolen from them. Lord, I pray that you would give it back to them tenfold. I speak that blessing over them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. That was not planned, that's just a little Holy Spirit thought there. Holy Spirit prayer. Wait for the right one. Just trust us who are married. Wait for the right one. They're worth the wait. And then
1: number four, if you embrace purity and you use wisdom and you wait for the right one, expect the best. Expect the best. Don't live discouraged. Live full of joy that the Lord is going to provide for you exactly who he wants to provide for you. Like, expect the best from the Lord because he loves you. In fact, Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. New song, expect the best. Tell your children to, to, to embrace purity, to use wisdom, to wait for the right one, and then teach them to expect the best. That like God has the right one out there. I can't tell you the number of times that my mom and dad told me growing up, we're praying for the one. We pray for her every day. We don't even know who she is, but we pray for her every day. And you need to wait for her. And God's gonna give her to you at the right time. He's gonna bring her to you at the right time. Just wait. As my mom says, and many of you have heard, this, have heard her say this, just hold steady. Just hold steady. That's my mom's phrase. Hold steady. And I'll tell you what, everybody, the day that, that, the day, the day that I introduced my, my wife, of course, we weren't married yet, but I introduced Jennifer to my mom and dad. I remember my dad started crying, and I looked at my dad. I said, Dad, why are you crying? He said, she's the one I've been praying for. He said, now I know her by face. He said, I've been calling out to, about her for a long time. I've been going to God uh, uh, about your wife for a long time and never knowing who she was. I've been praying for her every day, praying for, praying for, praying for. And now I get to meet her. And it was just such a joy to my dad. Such a joy to him. And you know, I pray for my kids and spouse every, every day, too. I don't know who they are, but I pray for my children and I pray for their spouses. And at the right time, they're going to meet the right one. And I'm teaching them to expect the best and to wait for the best. You gotta stand up with me this morning. And we've talked about a lot of things. There might be some people here in this room who saying, "Justin, what if I messed up? You know, what if I messed up big times? What, what if we weren't pure before we got married? What if we didn't wait? What, what if I made bad decisions? What?" What if I've just messed up big time? Can I I tell you something? Thank God for his forgiveness. And live like the new creation you already are in Christ Jesus. You thank God. Thank you, Father, that I've been forgiven. That all of my, in fact, all of my sexual sin has been forgiven. I'm a child of Christ. It's all taken away. And I'm going to live like the new creation I am in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new is come. I am not who I used to be. Praise the Lord. Right? And if you say, well, you know, I've never really done that. I've never really accepted Christ. I've never, I, I'm, st- or, or maybe I'm still struggling with this. I'm still involved in it. I'm still, I'm still sinning in my life and I don't want to do that. Well, let's change that right here, right now. Let's come before the Lord in repentance. And just lay it out before the Lord and say, Father, forgive me. And he always says yes. Amen. How many know we have hope in Jesus Christ? That he doesn't hold our past against us. That he is full of grace. He is full of mercy. And he always answers every single person who calls upon the name of the Lord. He always does. But we come before him in true repentance. That the sins that we have committed or are committing right now that we turn our back on them and say, "No, Father, I don't want any more of that. I just want You more." And when you do that, when you repent, when you turn your back on that, He always says yes. He always says, "Come to Me, come to Me, come to Me," and we're going to do that right here, right now. Would you close your eyes with me? Now this is this is so tricky because I I'm not going to have you raise your hand because a lot of you I know if I say how many have been involved in sexual sins or are involved in sexual sins and if you were to raise your hand well in fact you wouldn't raise your hand because you're going to think oh no the next person the person next to me is going to think I'm a weirdo they're going to think I'm a pervert they're going to think I'm so we're not going to do that I don't want to embarrass you but in your heart of hearts you you know who you are, what you've been doing and the Lord wants to set you free and so we're going to come before him in repentance and then we're going to praise him for who we are in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, so many in this room, they're thinking about the past, what's happened in their life, the bad choices that we've made. And God, we take all of that, and you know what it is, and we lay it before you Say, Father, this is what we've done. This is how we've sinned before you. And that's what we do right now. We lay it before you, Lord. We lay it at your feet. And we say to you, Father, that's not who we want to be. That's not how we want to live life. And so today we're choosing God to turn our back on that and to pursue you with all that we have to truly repent to turn our back on that but to face you and love you and worship you and surrender our lives to you that's what we're doing right here right now we're choosing you over our sinful nature we're choosing you over lustful thoughts we're choosing you over lustful actions we're choosing you over sexual immorality we're choosing you God And I thank you that you've taken... You've already taken what we've laid at your feet today and you've thrown them into the sea of forgetfulness. And for that we say, thank you, Father, that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come, that you do not hold us to our sins. You view us through the lens of your son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us. You view us through the lens of Jesus' holiness and righteousness. Therefore, we are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, I thank you that we have been made new, that we are new in Christ. Thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us and drawing us to the Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. And we bless you. And now for every person in this room that is single, for every person in this room, they don't know who... Uh, or, or who is in their future. They don't know their future husband. They don't know their future wife. Father, I pray that you would help them embrace purity, that they would use wisdom, that they would wait for the right one and expect the very best, knowing that it's worth the wait. That person, the right person, is worth the wait. Father, encourage them, I pray today, and let them know that the best is yet to come, and we bless you for it, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a hand, clap of praise, everybody. As a church,
0: it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org slash connect